nobody wants to talk about mental health at work. Right. And I mm -hmm. just finally looked at her and just said, I have anxiety and it just, it was so great because mm -hmm. a I was role modeling, you yep. know, as yep. a well-being yeah. expert, and yeah, here exactly. I am as a coach. You know, I spent thousands of sessions with folks openly talking about their struggles and not necessarily mental health because I'm not a counselor, but you know, around struggles and and obstacles mm -hmm. and everything. And I opened my mouth, especially that I have anxiety, and. I was like, wow, I just said it out loud. Like, it's very different to talk about it with your partner or your therapist, but it's very different to talk about mm -hmm. it to your director. But then I said to her, I'm taking care of it. I'm working on it. And she gets good. And that was it. Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. In this week's episode, join Michael Kahn for an informative and lively interview with Catherine Adamenko, the manager of well-being for Ropes and Gray, an international law firm with 1,400 lawyers. Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers Podcasts. This is Michael Kahn. I am one half of real-time creative learning experiences, Chris Osborne, who is a practicing lawyer. Is the other half. I am a former lawyer and a licensed professional counselor and uh, LAP counselor as well, Lawyer Assistance Program counselor. So today we have a wonderful person, and also a uh, uh, aside from being a wonderful human being, Catherine Adamenko is the manager of well-being for Ropes and Gray, which is a law firm. In uh, I think they have multiple offices, but she is in the New York office, and um, she does wears many hats for them. She is responsible for their well-being strategies. She's we'll talk more about her the well-being and diversity initiative that she is uh, doing with a colleague there and many other things. And um, her background actually is not as a lawyer, but as a um, as it says in her bio, veteran of the fitness and wellness industry. So we'll talk to her about that as well. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Well, we've we've had some great conversations offline, so um, <laughs> uh, excited and confident that this is going to be really interesting for our our listeners. So, so Catherine, I want to just start out and and ask you to describe what the manager of well being. Uh, what your responsibilities are, what that what what that actually means for a law firm, and then uh, I'm sure I'll have some some specific questions to ask you about about that once we hear your your uh, initial description. Sure, um, it's interesting. I think for it's a little different for each of kind of the big big law law firms. Um, it's been a fascinating. Um, it's been fascinating to watch the kinds of people that and and where they sit in a firm here at ropes and gray i'm the first one of its kind as the manager of well-being and the mission to bring me on was really about globalizing the well-being strategy we have uh six offices in the us we have four in asia and one in the uk and 
we had wonderful local wellness and well-being programs going on for a very long time, like over half a decade. You know, some of the races and challenges people um, had been running at the firm probably over a decade. But there was no cohesive overall strategy. And one of the most important uh, reasons also why I was brought on in the uh, middle of 2019 is we wanted to be part of the bigger lawyer well-being movement that really took off about a year prior um, throughout the legal industry. And so my was role- Was that the, I, uh, sorry for interrupting, um, Catherine, but was that for the task force, the well-being yeah. task force when that report mm-hmm. came out? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. that, that, that very industry-changing report that came out. And then mm-hmm. there were a, a number of public articles that came out talking about the mental health, like the crisis of mental health and well-being in the industry. So it was a real moment of intervention. And we wanted to be a leader. And so that's how Ropes found me, and I found Ropes. And I, one of the other reasons that I was brought, brought on is that I come, as, I, as you mentioned, I come from the fitness and wellness industries. But at the time, I'd spent seven solid years in well-being programming, really helping to build programs from the ground up. Yeah, and it was with, I think, uh, American Express was one of the companies you work for. So that's not, that's, that's not a small responsibility there to, to be the, uh, to be responsible for, for wellness for such a large company as American Express. I really got my, my um, experience at a Cena retail and dress barn. That, that, ah, so that, yeah, I've heard so of that dress was barn. Really, That's a big company as well, right? Yeah, no longer, unfortunately. But ah. um, one of the best places, culturally, one of the best places I've ever worked, for sure. Mm-hmm, um, they mm-hmm. had a real commitment, and it's pretty groundbreaking. This was back in 2012. It's a real commitment to well-being, you mean? Yeah, it was a vision for mm-hmm. the, the vice president of HR at the time, was really committed um, hmm. to bringing the, at the time, the company itself kind of into that, the well-being world. So how did, how did the, how did a law firm find you since you were not a, a former lawyer or you didn't, didn't work in law firms? How did that happen? LinkedIn. <laughs> it's a good ah, promo. Okay. For, it's a good promo <laughs> for LinkedIn. <laughs> All right. Wow. So, so just, uh, you were, you just thought, and well, I I guess I'll ask you then what, okay, they found you, but then what did you think, uh, how did you imagine that going to a law firm would work for you since you hadn't had any experience working at law firms? Yeah, it was really fascinating. I had also been recruited by another law firm for a very similar role and had already gone through the whole interview process. So it was a little bit familiar um, as well. But what really did it is, is, is not calling, it's making the shift from wellness to well-being. And that's slowly happening. And even in 2019, companies and corporations weren't quite there yet. And it was very specific of the shift from wellness to well-being that piqued my interest. Um, then the, I was, believe it or not, so it's an interesting, um, evolution. So that was one thing. 
And then the article, and, and what's the difference, by the way, between sure. wellness so, and well-being? Yeah. So wellness <clears throat> tends to be on the physical uh, health side of things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You can see right. that from the, you look at health and wellness centers. It's around lifestyle coaching, eating. I always like to use eating well, moving more, sleeping soundly, right? And, 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 and stressing less. And yeah. things, traditional wellness uh, programs were things like flu shots and mammograms and a nutritional lunch and learn and maybe a step challenge. But the piece that was separate in particular was the mental health and emotional well-being, as well as things on the more HR side of things like social uh, community involvement, social well-being. Uh, career mm -hmm. well-being, financial well-being. And so it's a much more holistic approach. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, and folks, this is audio, so I can't show this to you, <laughs> but like the graph that they have or the, the, the graphic that they have mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in the wellness report of the six different areas that define thriving. And, mm -hmm. and you mentioned a, a few of them right there. Um, so I, I took you away from your, your, I interrupted you <laughs> yeah. talking about going yeah. from, from wellness to well-being. Mm -hmm. I think we were talking about how you envisioned yourself working for a law firm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I already have like some of that experience under my belt of interviewing at another big law firm, mm -hmm. um, and a little bit understanding a little bit more of what it would encompass at a firm. But then I did a little digging around and two things happened. Is it kind of like coincidental? The first was I did a little research on the lawyer well-being report itself and saw that one of its architects, Ann Bradford, was a graduate mm -hmm. of the, uh, psych the positive psychology program at UPenn under Martin Seligman. Mm -hmm. And I had been right. spending the last 10 years as my personal project a personal passion project, researching positive psychology and reading everything I could and doing all the practices wow. and learning all about it. So it was already grounded mm -hmm. in uh, philosophy and practice that I was uh, not only passionate about, but uh, was doing myself. And then Did it you... was... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, finish. Finish, Catherine. And then the other piece is I was at Passover, a Passover family dinner, um, and I was sharing that I had this upcoming interview with a cousin who is a lawyer in big law at another firm, um, and she had just shared the article that had come out of Big Law Killed My Husband. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Which had was a that the Sid Sidley Austin yes. uh, lawyer? Mm -hmm. It had a profound impact on me. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and she shared, a, we had a very frank conversation and she shared a little bit more kind of, um, kind of the, the life of a lawyer. And so between that, and then of course, when I interviewed at Ropes and Gray, I also did a little, <laughs> right before the interview, I did research about their pro bono program and they support, so much of the, the, the organizations, um, mm -hmm. they did work for, um, uh, around LGBTQ, 
uh, immigration, social justice, like you know, like wow. heavy duty work. And I started putting the pieces together. I'm like, where can I serve? What you know, in a way that I could bring my own philosophy that's going to be welcome in the lawyer well-being world. And then, of course, the culture um, was the right fit. Yeah, that's so important. And um, just to go off on a slight tangent, but uh, in my role as a lawyer assistance program counselor, I often will talk to lawyers who aren't happy in their, not often, but it's not unusual to talk to lawyers who are unhappy in their current role, not as being lawyers necessarily, but either in the law firm or the organization um, where they're working. And I often talk with them about how important the values fit is. And if you don't have, and for some of them, that's, there's a disconnect. Their values, I'm not saying that where the place where they're working is unethical or um, somehow a bad place in general, but for that person, there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like for you, that was one of the draws for you with Ropes Gray was that there was a values connect that it was mm -hmm. consistent. What they were doing was consistent with, with some of your values. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, were you, was there any difficulty for you not being a lawyer once you started working there? Did that present anything, any obstacles for you? Because that can be for, sometimes lawyers can be, you know, if you're not a lawyer, you don't understand my world. Um, they can, I've noticed that in the, I do a lot of, Chris and I do a lot of CLE programs. Unfortunately, I'm a former lawyer, so that helps. But not being a lawyer sometimes can be, it, it can take a little while for lawyers to warm up to you if you're presenting mm -hmm. uh, CLE. It, was that an obstacle for you at all? It was, yes. <laughs> I'll say my first <laughs> six months, yes. And I'll share something really interesting of how I, I, sure. I overcame it in two ways. The first is I was really fortunate myself because of my fitness training and also my training in practice as a wellness coach, uh, mm -hmm. as a practitioner, I knew all about working with different personality types. I forget the, the four box, you know, um, there's that uh, four box theory and that you could be like direct and social or mm -hmm. indirect. And, and so you get to know, and I did a lot like at Dress Barn, we did a lot of those kind of personality assessments. So I was already armed with a little bit more emotional intelligence coming yeah. in. And believe it or not, even as a group fitness instructor, which I was a group fitness instructor for 10 years, I had some, I worked at some of the, the best clubs you could imagine. And we had some serious training about how to teach to all different personality types. So I transferred that knowledge of working with lawyers who are in like that top left box of like direct and informational like lawyers like mm -hmm. to be direct with arms with data and information and yes, i'm the yes. opposite box draw the opposite diagonal line <laughs> right um yeah. so and you know so that was one thing i came in with it however having the knowledge is different than the practice but i was coached by my director 
-hmm. And there were some difficult conversations. Um, some of it was a little bit more lighthearted, like I'm in the middle of a presentation to, to two leaders and they stopped on like the second slide and pointed out I was missing a colon or a period or something. <laughs> and then I was That's told funny. I need to get used to it. Um, and so I upped my editing skills. <laughs> right. That's funny. Um, and then the other type is also, you know, learning how to be yourself, right? Um, but also um, how to fit in, in a sense of what you're saying and what you do is going to get across. And that's something, again, that is part of my wellness, mm -hmm. my training as a wellness coach. Um, but the other big piece of how I also overcame the obstacle, I started finding avenues where my personality really could shine through in things like teaching and teaching yoga classes mm -hmm. and giving practical presentations where those are the most important skills. So I had to really practice some of the, the, the kind of more harder skills, you know, maybe toning it down at meetings and listening more and, you know, being a little bit more formal and mm -hmm. then using that, the, the, my strengths kind of in my own personality wheelhouse to do the things that like a wellnessy person does. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I remember I, I did some consulting and worked with um, some high level corporate leaders for, for a company. And I, I wasn't doing it myself. I was doing it with a team of folks. And I am such a informal, <laughs> pretty laid back person. What? No, and I, I didn't yeah, get I know that at all. <laughs> I know you're shocked by that. So <laughs> that was one of my challenges actually to go into that, that setting and be more formal. I couldn't just go in and be, you know, they say, be yourself, which is true. You don't want to change who you are, but I, but I had to go in and be more formal. And it was a real challenge for me to, to and it sounded like for you that that's, I think what you said is you had to, you didn't change who you were, of course, because who you are is, is so important in that, in your role, you're very uh, vivacious and high energy and passionate and that's so important and you needed to modulate that at times depending on who you were in front of right i think everybody does like i think that's part of what mm -hmm. emotional intelligence is all about mm -hmm. um i mm -hmm. was just on a bigger learning curve and then also <coughs> excuse me um also i was coming into a global role for the first time a, re a true global mm -hmm. role with some big expectations and like programming already set to go. <laughs> I was going to yeah. thrown into the fire um, yeah. as well. And so I had a newer role. Um, and even though I was a manager for many, already a program manager for many years, being a manager at Ropes and Gray was at a bit of a different level. Like out in the real world, it would have been like a senior level. So mm -hmm. I really had to uh, skill up in that sense of really owning yeah. what a manager is. Um, and there is a little bit more of an element of formality, but I also really appreciated it because I now have better listening skills mm -hmm. outside of coaching, right? It's very different as a wellness coach, kind of like when you're, it's almost like the, the podcast you're doing now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit yeah. different. Um, just with interactions, for example, at meetings, I've learned how to listen more, um, have more uh, better crisp execution, 
meeting recaps, follow-ups. And I see when I don't do these things, um, there's a little bit of bleeding in there. And also, of course, you want to be taken seriously. So That's right. You don't want to be too loosey-goosey. Like, it's interesting seeing the different vendor, like having, you know, we've had some experts come in and seeing the ones who understand that a little bit better than others and how they're received, right? And how they're talked about after. Um, and so did, it's something, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, as being a female, was that, um, and I know it was in a role as a wellness person, so maybe um, there's more uh, expectation that's gonna, going to be a female in that role. But did you find that being a female was uh, a challenge at all in terms of being uh, respected by uh, some of the folks you worked with there, particularly those in leadership? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Not a problem. Oh, no. Yeah, gender, yeah, ropes and gr there. You know, it's interesting. It's not as much, it can look like a, the well-being and wellness can look like a woman's world, but it isn't. And it also isn't in law firms, right? Some of the the leaders of, uh, you know, the, the well-being leaders that other firms are men as well. I welcome it because it can be a bit of a, it, I worked for many women in women's circles, especially right. HR, um, but no, never had that impact at all. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. So, so just personally, I want to ask you more of a personal question sure. again. Um, so that sounds like I'm, 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 I'm anxious even hearing <laughs> what, what it may have been like for you to jump into this job uh, at a law firm. You've never worked at a law firm. And like you said, this is a global initiative that you jumped into. Um, how did you, how were you able to keep your foot, feet on the ground, stay uh, centered, um, deal with stress, anxiety, the pressure? Uh, what worked for you back then? Well, I'll tell you, anxiety got the best of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was for okay. sure. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, it really got the best of me. There's moments you think, did I get in over my head? It was a lot of it was mm. culturally, uh, do, do I fit in? Will I ever fit in? Um, yeah. am I, you know, is this something that, you know, but the, the two things, there were three things that I did. The first was, you know, I'd have these one-on-ones with my director and she explained it, that onboarding at ropes is just, you know, there's, it's a place, it's a, one of the best law firms in the world with high expectations. And so you're going to have to learn more about those expectations. So you're going to climb up the hill and you're going to get to a plateau and you're going to be like, oh, I got it. I can do that. I get, I get it. And then something, you know, time's going to go on and there you are, boom, <laughs> another big hill. And you're going to go up right. that hill. Um, and I've gone up a whole number of them, right? It's such a great feeling. So that was some of the best coaching that I got from my director um, as well. And then I sought help. I was going through this massive amount of anxiety. I hadn't experienced it in a really long time. So I got the help that I needed. Mm -hmm. That was one thing. Yeah. And I really, you know, yeah. you know I, I saw, um, I had been seeing a therapist, but then I, I, I specifically focused around this and we, we did a lot of work around it. So I got, I, I did a very focused kind of problem solving around it. 
and then a lot of self-care. <laughs> I did a lot of self-care. You know, my sleep was being disrupted. I was feeling a mess. And so I had to really make a concerted effort to really focus on sleep hygiene. You know, all the habits around sleep really take positive action. If I couldn't sleep, um, find it was a lot of like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, right? About the, the ways in which I'm thinking and approaching my work, making sure I was eating well and relaxing and spending time with friends and, you know, and, and then, of course, you know, I had this big initiative that happened and it was a success. <laughs> and then I'm like, what was all of that crazy worry about? Right. Yeah. Well, I I actually <clears throat> repeat myself probably to <clears throat> to clients and to to folks in uh, workshop audiences. But and maybe even have said this in one of the podcasts, but I'll say it again. My, one of my favorite quotes is uh, Mark Twain's quote that hopefully I have. Right. He said, I've had many worries in my life. Most of them have never happened. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So that's so true that most of the stuff we worry about doesn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. But to just to highlight what you said, because I think this is really important for our listeners to hear. And this is something we hammer home on this podcast. It, in fact, it's called the Thriving Lawyers, plural lawyers not lawyer podcast because our focus is on the importance of uh well-being of course but the importance of community and so you said first thing you said was you had a mentor it was maybe uh this was your boss as well but a, a mentor um who you could go to who could give you some guidance and then you went to a therapist so you had two recruited two folks to help you mm -hmm. and then self-care and sleep, sleep hygiene, as you said. Uh, so, and, and you mentioned cognitive behavioral, uh, because you said when you first started answering the question, one of the negative thoughts you had was, I don't know if I can do this or, or who am I to think I can do this? I don't know if you actually thought something like that, but similar, similar kinds of thoughts, right? Have I taken on too much? And, and um, it's important that we respond to those thoughts. Now, of course, you had success, so now you have that to, because to, if that negative thought comes back, you can, you can look back at, and you can, you can identify the fact that you've had success now. And, uh, and that's, of course, helpful. Yeah. Um, so what, um, what have you noticed and I, did did you were you, did I did you answer that question fully? By the way, I yeah. just want to make sure because yeah, okay, I, I think the only other thing that I will add as well is that mm -hmm. there was a meeting, you know, when I was going through this because my performance, you know, people, my boss would get calls like I just I was making mistakes. You know, when you get anxious, like you're not at a hundred percent. So it wasn't just that I wasn't sleeping; I wasn't able to. I wasn't working at the capacity that of course that I knew myself to be as a professional. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and then my boss looked at me and she's like, what's wrong. And I, without going into detail, and I think this is so important because nobody wants to talk about mental health at work. Right. And I mm -hmm. just finally looked at her and just said, I have anxiety. And it just, it was so great because mm -hmm. a I was role modeling, right? yep. <laughs> you know, as yep. a well-being yeah. expert, 
And yeah, here exactly. I am as a coach, you know, I spent thousands of sessions with folks openly talking about their struggles and not necessarily mental health, because I'm not a counselor, but you know, around struggles and, and obstacles <laughs> and everything. And I opened my mouth, especially that I have anxiety. And I was like, wow, I just said it out loud. Like, it's very different to talk about it with your partner, or your therapist, but it's very different to talk about mm-hmm. it to your director. But then I said to her, I'm taking care of it. I'm working on it. And she goes, good. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. And it was, but it, to, to the credit of your director, they asked, right? Oh, my God. Um, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. And remember, this is pre-pandemic, but not, you know, this was in um, November, I believe, of 2019, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can only think now how easy, it, much easier it is, or hopefully easier it is for leaders to reach out, you know, to ask that question. You're, you're talking about, you're talking about during, I was going to say post-pandemic, but that's not true. No, no. <laughs> and it won't be true when this podcast drops. You're no. talking about um, <laughs> you're talking about now during the pandemic. It's yeah. easier. Uh, it's maybe become more normalized to check in with folks and see how they're doing. Yeah, we. It, it was part of what we were giving leaders guidance on. It was the check in. It was literally mm-hmm. a check in. You know, making mm-hmm. sure they're checking in with mm-hmm. their people. And mm-hmm. you know, as we kind of return to the office, is still part of that. You know, it doesn't matter. Now it's even, it could even be more impactful if it's in person, right? So, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, maybe, and, maybe, I'm sorry, I was going to say maybe. Yeah, sure. I'm going to qualify that because if there's one thing that works virtually, it's been video therapy or like video check ins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to qualify mm-hmm. that. I think that's the one area, whether you can check in with someone face to face or virtually with a, mm-hmm. with a camera, I, I still, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make sure I qualify. You're saying that's still, that's still effective to check totally. in virtually. Yeah, still yeah I agree. All my counseling sessions since the beginning of COVID, I haven't done one in the room counseling session. They've all mm-hmm. been either virtual or uh, on the phone. Yeah. And, uh, they're, they're very effective. I, they're, I, this is not a podcast to talk about, uh, the downsides of that, but there's certainly downsides, but mm-hmm. they can be as effective as, as in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, 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 and I want to just emphasize one other thing. The fact that I think you said, you said, uh, I'm anxious out loud mm-hmm. and how much that helps just to say it out mm-hmm. loud to someone. And in this case, someone you work for, which took, I, granted, you were modeling something, but it still took some courage on your part to uh, to say it out loud. But it can be so mm. relieving to first identify it and name it, but then to say it out loud to someone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in and by Osborne Conflict Resolution, 
Your experience guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.